0: Well, it's uh, great to be able to share God's Word with you today. My name's Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors at Walnut Hill. And just want to welcome all of you in our campuses in New Milford with Pastor Brian Pru in Waterbury with Pastor Craig Mowry, in our Derby campus in the Valley with Pastor Joshua Maltunis. And uh, all of you who have found us online, just greetings to you. We are in a series right now that we're calling Red Letters. We're going through the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And we find ourselves in the middle of a year that we're calling Ignite Compassion. We're really asking the Lord to give us a greater understanding of what it means to be compassionate people. We want to grow in our love for people. Uh, We want the heart of God for others. We want the eyes of Jesus to be able to see others in the way that he sees them. We also want to be able to see the activity of God among us so that we can enter in to what he's doing, how he's working And so we're looking at these red-letter words, these words of Jesus, uh, believing that through these words we'll be taught, we'll have better understanding uh, of what it means to be a compassionate people. So today we find ourselves in Luke's gospel again in chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. Let me give you a little context, and then we'll go through the passage together, doing some teaching along the way. And then I want to share three questions with you of application Three questions for us as we are in this Ignite Compassion year that I believe will really uh, help us, challenge us to be people who live compassionate lives. So a little context around Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 36. Uh, Jesus has just gone up the mountain and he spent some time alone praying. There he calls his disciples up and he actually appoints them as apostles. That simply means that he makes them the sent ones. That's what the word apostle means. As we know, the apostles would go on after the resurrection of Jesus and just establish the church and grow the church. And so Jesus calls them apostles in this moment. They come down from the mountain where they're greeted by a great crowd. Many people are coming around the ministry of Jesus because of what Jesus is doing. He's doing a lot of healing and deliverance and he's teaching about the kingdom of God and many people are wanting to be around it. So many people come and they're even trying to touch Jesus because they know that that he heals. In, uh, in, in, our, in the Scripture, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, it says that Jesus heals all of them. Amazing. Then Jesus turns to his disciples. In our passage today, he turns to his disciples and he begins to teach them. Now, this is called the Sermon on the Mount. We see this in Matthew's Gospel as well. Chapter 5 through chapter 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, he, he's pulling his disciples aside, but the whole crowd is, is really listening in to what Jesus is teaching what Jesus is doing with his disciples in this moment is he's, he's beginning to teach them what it looks like to follow him, what this new kingdom looks like, how to live as the people of God. You probably remember that earlier on, Jesus does this teaching about new wine, how he's bringing in and ushering in this new kingdom, and how you can't put new wine in old wineskins. It's a totally new way of living in the presence of God. And so Jesus, he's, he's pulling his disciples aside, and he's teaching them these things. And, and as we learn, you can imagine the disciples kind of listening in and, and taking in this teaching, and, and it was a countercultural teaching. It was a revolutionary kind of teaching, this new way to live as the people of God. Maybe even the disciples would have looked at this teaching and thought to themselves, is this even realistic? How can we accomplish this? How can we be this kind of, of person, this kind of, of people but Jesus was was calling them to level up calling them into this new kingdom. It's into this context that we have our passage today. Really what Jesus is doing is he's calling the disciples back to the garden. There was so much lost when Adam and Eve declared their own independence and did the one thing that they were told not to do, and sin enters the world. So much was lost in that moment. But now Jesus is saying, in me, I want you to return back to that perfect fellowship with the Father, that perfect fellowship with God, and and here's how you do it. This is the way that you live. There's this story that I read, and the story took place in 2017. It's about a young man. His name is Cole Thomas. And in 2017, Cole Thomas was in a car accident, leaving him paralyzed from the waist down. His doctors didn't give him much hope, but gave him a little hope that he might walk again. And so Cole worked really, really hard each and every day trying to regain what was once very natural for him. You see, he used to have this natural ability to walk where he didn't even ever have to think about it. But now after the accident, he lost his ability to walk. And so now it wasn't natural. It It was unnatural to him. And he had to regain that strength and relearn what it was like to walk. The great part of this story is that seven months later, Cole walked out of the rehab facility holding both of his daughter's hands, walking out. You know, friends, I want to tell you that at the fall, we lost so much. When sin entered the world, we we lost so much And what Jesus is doing here in this moment, he's teaching his disciples, listen, you need to go back. What's unnatural to you needs to become natural once again. You need to regain it. You need to relearn it. Come back to the garden and see what it's like to live for God again. And this is what Jesus is doing in this passage, saying this is what it really looks like. This is what it means for you to regain who you are in the Lord. And so my prayer for today's message is this, is that we would regain or relearn at a new level what it means to be people who love. You know, what's become natural for us is selfishness, greed, envy. You know, you never have to teach a newborn or a child to be selfish. Comes built in. Comes built in. But we need to relearn and, and regain who we are uh, created to be, the people of God. And this is what Jesus is doing. So I'm praying in this message that we might regain, that we might take some steps forward in relearning what it means to be a loving people. And so let's walk right through the passage today, Uh, and then I want to give some questions, three questions at the end of this message. And so let's take a look at this passage in chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. Let's start by reading verses 27 through 28. And, and, and the passages will come up on the screen, but what I'd love for you to do in this series, if you don't have it today, that's okay, but maybe next week, bring your Bibles or download a Bible app on your phone. I'd love for you to have it in front, much like I do right now. I'd love for you to have it in front of you so we're going through the Word together. And so in verses 27 to 28 there are four descriptions and four directives that I'm going to talk about. It says this, but to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Notice in the beginning here what Jesus says, these are all red letters by the way. All the words we're going to read today are red letters. These are the words of Jesus. And the first thing he says is but to those who are willing to listen. Now, we're going to talk about this at the end because of a question around this, a, a, a question of application around this. For those who are willing to listen, now Jesus is about to say something. And the question at the end here is going to be, are we willing to listen to Jesus? And then Jesus gives these three des- or four descriptive words about people that we're going to encounter as the followers of Jesus. And the four descriptors are these. I say they're, you're going to have enemies, You're going to have those who hate you, you're going to have those who curse you, and you're going to have those who hurt you. Man, this doesn't sound like good news, does it? Jesus is saying, listen, friends, you're going to have enemies. And he gives us the reason why we're going to have enemies. And we find that just before our passage today in verse 22. Jesus says this, this is why you're going to have enemies, because you follow the Son of Man. So what Jesus is talking about in this passage, he's talking about enemies that we have because of our faith. People who hurt us because of our faith in Jesus. People who curse us because of our walk with Jesus. People who have become our enemies because of our walk with him. And then he gives four directives to us. This is what you're to do about it. This is how you're to relate to those who are your enemies. The four directives are these love, do good, bless, and pray for your enemies. He's calling the disciples to a new way of living. Don't take revenge on your enemies. No, this is what you're to do. You're to love your enemies, you're to bless your enemies, you're to do good to your enemies, and you're to pray for your enemies. Let's read on in verses 29 through 31. uh, This is really Jesus calling the disciples to a new level of love. This is what it says. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Now there's so much happening in this passage. Really uh, what's happening here is is Jesus is giving us some real teaching, some real understanding of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. He's calling his disciples to a new level. This isn't what they were taught in their past. If you were to go to Matthew's gospel and you were to look at the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, this is what you would read. In, in, in verse 38 in chapter 5, Jesus says this. It says, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew's gospel, listen, this is what you've heard. I know you've heard this in the law. What he's referring to is Exodus chapter 21. You've been taught this, that you're to, that you're to punish somebody equal to the amount of pain that you went through. And so if they took your eye, take their eye. If they took your tooth, take their tooth. Jesus goes on and he says this, but I say to you, and then he lays out this new way of looking at life, this new way of living. No, it's not an eye for an eye. It's not a tooth for a tooth. In fact, it's, it's way beyond that. If somebody takes something from you, don't expect to get it back. If someone orders to take their stuff and carry it a mile, walk two miles. It's this extravagant way of living. And then in verse 43 of of Matthew 5, Jesus says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. And so Jesus is talking to the disciples here in this passage saying, listen, I know what you've been taught in your past. In the past, it was this this attitude and this, this posture of, if somebody takes something from me, take it back. If something, somebody steals from you, well, then steal from them. If they've punished you, punish them in equal amount. This was the way that they thought they were to live. You see, in our natural kind of way of living, in our broken state, what comes naturally to us is to do to others what they've done to us. And so if they've slandered your name, then we slander it back. If they've stolen something, well, then we steal something from them. If they haven't done good to us, we don't do good to them. If they avoid us, well, then we avoid them. Now, if they help us, then we'll help them. Or if they lend us money, maybe we'll lend them money back. But it's always based on what they're doing. Then we do the same. Jesus is calling us to a new standard in this passage. He's replacing what was then a golden rule with a new golden rule. You see, many of the ancient teachers of the time had a golden rule before this golden rule of Jesus. And their golden rule sounded something like this. Don't do what you want to do to your enemies. That was the golden rule. Uh, That's not terrible advice. Don't do what you want to do to your enemies. Now, I know when somebody wrongs you, when somebody wrongs me, there are things that come to mind that you want to do to them. And so this rule should apply. It can be helpful. Don't do to your enemies what you want to do to them. But really, it's a statement of inactivity. It's a statement of, hey, listen, don't do what's in your mind for them. Jesus, he ups the ante. He calls us to something that's a lot more difficult. And it's not a statement of inactivity. It's a statement of action. No, no, I don't, I don't want you to, to not do something. I want you to do something. Actually, I, I want you to do to your enemies what you would have them do to you. I want you to go above and beyond. I want you to bless the socks off of them. I want you to show them great love to those who hurt you, to those who hate you, to those who who mock you, to those who curse you. I want you to love them. This is the new standard. This is the new way of love. Love is not shown by withholding what we would want to do. Love is shown by, in grace, lavishing others with what they don't deserve. Does this sound familiar at all? This is what we've received in knowing our personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The passage goes on, and we'll read in verses 32 through 34. It says this, and this is really Jesus kind of laying out a type of love, which which I would call conditional love. He says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for it? If you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit for that? If you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Well, what Jesus is, is talking about here is he's talking about one way of loving. And that way of loving is based on conditions. Well, if, if someone loves me, well, then I'll love them back. If someone blesses me, well, then I'll bless them back. And I'll be dren- generous to only those who can repay me. When it doesn't cost me anything. What Jesus is saying is, listen, this is the hard truth, friends, is that that's actually easy love. And I'm not calling you to easy love. I'm calling you to hard love. I'm calling you to a difficult kind of love. I'm calling you to, to learn something that's godly, something that's divine. I don't want you to stay in this kind of human love where it's, where it's easy to love somebody else. And praise God that God doesn't show us conditional love. Can you imagine that? Think about the, the fear and worry in your life if, if our God had conditional love, where it was based on our behavior all the time. Oh my goodness, what a, what a horrible thought that would be. But we praise God that he has unconditional love for us. No matter what, he loves us. Let's move on. In, in the last part of our passage, verses 35 to 36, this is what I would call Jesus really outlining what it is to have extravagant love. And so Jesus reiterates it again. He says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Here Jesus is talking about showing unconditional Love. I'd expand that and say unconditionally extravagant love for others. This is the call of Jesus on our lives. It's about being people who love beyond our boundaries, being a people who, who love beyond what we're even capable of doing in the power of the Spirit, loving others with extravagant love. You know, I, I remember when I was in high school, I thought that I was a pretty good hockey player. If you were to look at the statistics and you were to ask the coaches, they may have even said that I was a good hockey player. But then I moved to Minnesota and I started playing college hockey and I learned that I wasn't that good at all. In fact, I sat at the bench the whole first year. I thought that I was good. But I'll tell you this, when I got to Minnesota and I started playing on that college team, being around those players, they stretched me into being a better player than I, than I ever imagined. I wonder if the disciples thought that they were really good at love. I wonder if they were listening to this teaching saying, Jesus, listen, we got this already, man. Like, we're good at love. Listen, we dropped our nets. We dropped our occupations to follow you. We are all in on this love thing. We are good people, godly people. We know what it is to love. And now Jesus is teaching them, no, 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 listen. The kind of love you're thinking about is not the love that I'm talking about. I want to stretch you past your human understanding of love. I want to stretch you past. And I believe what Jesus is doing here is he's teaching them, he's saying, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hurt you, pray for those who hurt you and hate you, bless those who are against you. And I think Jesus, he knows that if you take me up on this, if you're willing to listen, what's gonna happen if you do that, it's gonna stretch you beyond your human capacity to love into godly love. And isn't that what we want, friends? If you're willing to listen and put this into practice, the Lord's going to stretch you beyond the bounds of your capacity to love and into godly love. And I love here that Jesus gives us a promise. He does all these ifs, but then he says, then, If you love your enemies, if you do good to them, then here's the result. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. Isn't this what we want? Don't we want a reward from from heaven? So Jesus says, well, here's how you get it. You love your enemies. You pray for those who hurt you. You bless those who curse you. This is the way of Jesus. So, So what do we need to take away from this? let me offer just a few things. I want to just share three questions with you today that I think will will help us in this Ignite Compassion year, will really stretch us. And and the first question that I want to share with you is this, and it comes from the very beginning of this passage where Jesus says, but to those who are willing to listen. I sat on that part of the passage for a long time. The Lord just grabbed my heart in it. And the first question is this, are you... Are you listening? Are you listening to Jesus? But to those who are willing to listen. The blessing and the reward comes on the other side of us saying, Yes, we are going to listen to Jesus. Now, it reminds me of, of a story you can read in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus takes uh, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, they go up on a mountain. And it's on this mountain where what's called the transfiguration happens. And this is where Jesus, his face begins to shine like the sun. And and, and then all of a sudden there's this voice from heaven that speaks over him. This is my beloved son. I take great joy in him. It sounds a little bit familiar, right? It sounds a little bit like Jesus' baptism. But then there's something new added in here where this voice from heaven, the father, speaks over his son, but he's speaking now to the disciples who are there, these three disciples who are there. And this is what the father says, listen to him. I love that command, that, that directive. Listen to him. Are you listening to Jesus? You see, friends, I think that if we're going to live compassionate lives, lives that, that go beyond just kindness and move into compassion, which means that this is kindness put into practice, uh, listening to the Lord that, that actually moves and, and, and is, is, is a part of the divine in people's lives. Well, if, if we're going to be compassionate people, then we have to listen to Jesus. We have to regularly listen to Jesus. And so, are you listening to Jesus? And if not, what are you listening to? See, I think in today's world, there's so many messages coming at us, so many things that we're putting into our minds, so much input. You know, what are you listening to? See, friends, I think before we ever turn on any news channel, any podcast, anything that we're kind of feeding on, we need to listen to Jesus first. This is our our call. So how do you know if you're listening to Jesus? Here's what I would do as taking inventory of whether you're listening to Jesus. I'd ask you four questions, and this, this will help you know if you're really listening to Jesus. And the first question I would ask you is this, are you spending time with Jesus? Because I would say if you're not spending time with Jesus, well, then you're not listening to Jesus. How can you listen to somebody that you're spending no time with? You see, oftentimes a child will run away from their parent because they don't want to hear what they have to say. So they'll run out of their presence. Therefore, they can't hear what they say. Well, are you spending time with Jesus? That's question one. The second question I would ask you is this, is are you spending time in his word? See, the Lord has spoken to us. He's spoken to us through his word. We need to know his word. We need to get into his word. Are you spending time in his word? I can promise you this, as you go to his word, he will speak to you. The third question I would ask you, as you take inventory of, are you listening to Jesus?" The third question I would ask you is this is, are you putting into practice the things that Jesus has already said? As you go to His word, are you putting into practice the things that Jesus has already said? There are clear commands in His word. Jesus calls us to, to pray. He even teaches us how to pray. Are you praying? Jesus calls us to forgive. Are you forgiving? Jesus calls us to give, to serve, to wash the feet of others. Are you doing these things? He's calling us to love. Are you putting in place? Are you practicing the things that Jesus has already said? The fourth question I would ask you, just taking inventory of of are you listening to Jesus, is this. Can you tell me of a story recently where you stepped out in faith because of the prompting of the Spirit of Christ Jesus? You see, for those who are listening to the Lord, they're being prompted by his Holy Spirit. And when they're prompted by the Holy Spirit, they're stepping out in faith, trusting him. Do you have stories like that? You know, as you've just taken inventory right now, you might be asking yourself, or saying to yourself, man, I need to listen to Jesus more. Where do I start? Maybe you're new in this journey with Jesus. Where do you start? And I want to give you um, a good place to start. You know, Jesus was once asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he, and he gave two. I love that. He says, love the Lord your God. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I would suggest that you start there. Listen to him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And part of listening would be going away today after this message and asking the Lord, Lord, what does it look like for me to love you with all of my heart? with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength? And what does it look like for me to love my neighbor as myself? Ask the Lord for a strategic, intentional plan and put it in place. Are you listening to Jesus? The second question I have for you in this Ignite Compassion year in this passage is this. Are you fighting the right battle? Are you fighting the right battle? You see, I, I believe Jesus is teaching this to his disciples with real intentionality. That there's actually a story being told here that, that, that's a little bit under the surface. You see, I think Jesus is saying to his disciples, Listen, friends, I want you to love your enemies because there's actually a greater enemy out there. You think these people are your enemies, but they're not your true enemy. And so Jesus is really saying, listen, it's really important that you know who your enemy is. All these folks who are going to oppose you because you're walking with me, just love them. Because you have a greater enemy. And that greater enemy, it's not flesh and blood, it's, it's, it's spirit. It's the, it's the evil one. And this is who your true fight is with. And actually, if, if you just take me up on this teaching and you love your enemies, what you're going to be doing is bringing in light into the darkness. And now you've joined the fight that's worthwhile. You join this fight of of eliminating darkness and, and and overcoming the evil one. This is the fight that you want to fight. Don't wrap yourself and waste your time fighting these other fights. Instead, just love your enemies. So I, I wonder, are you fighting the right battle? Are you fighting the right battle? You know, the problem with, with us as humans is that we often fight the wrong battles. We often fight the wrong battles. And oftentimes, we make enemies of things that should never be our enemies. And so we make the cashier who overcharged us our enemy. We make the person who who cut us in line our enemy. We make the coach who's not playing our, our child the enemy. We make the teacher who's not doing the things the way we would like to see him do it our enemy. We make the person who got the promotion above us the enemy. We make the family member who said those hurtful things the enemy. And we, and we fight those battles. And I, I think what Jesus is saying to the disciples here is, hey, listen, there's going to be those kind of battles that happen. Here's what you're to do. You're to love. You're to bless. You're to do good. And you're to pray for those folks. But know that there's a greater battle that's going on. So often, friends, we can get tied up in these smaller battles and we can miss what the Lord wants to do in our life. There's this wonderful story that happens in Genesis chapter 26. It's of Isaac, who's Abraham's son. And Isaac, at this point, has become so wealthy that he's, he's in this place called Gerar. And it's really the country of the Philistines. And the Philistines become really jealous of Isaac because he has all this livestock, stock, all this wealth. And so what do they do? They fill his wells with dirt. Now that's a big deal. That really means that they, they want to see Isaac and all of his family members die. They, they want to destroy Isaac by taking his water supply. You know, Isaac had a choice in that moment. He, he, could, he could act in, in, in revenge. He could fight that battle. But what does Isaac do? He moves on. And he goes to another place and he, he, he digs up the well of, of, of his father. But then shepherds come and they say, hey, that's our well. And what does Isaac do? He moves on. He moves on to another place, and he digs up another well there. And what happens? The shepherds come again and say, hey, that's our well. What does Isaac do? He moves on again. It's in this fourth place where nobody argued against him. He called that place Rehoboth, which means a a place to grow, space. And there, there in that spot, God meets Isaac and restates the promise that he gave to his father Abraham and blesses him. What if Isaac got caught up in this battle over here? He would have never received this blessing from God over here. He would have been so wrapped up in this earthly battle, he would have missed what God had for him. Friends, let's not miss what the Lord has for us by fighting the wrong battle. Let's be people who who fight the battle that the Lord has called us into, to be light in darkness, to overcome the evil one. The last question I want to ask you is this. Are you loving with a godly love? This is what this passage is about. It's about leveling up. It's about stepping in to this new way of life. Are you loving with a godly love? What is a godly love? Well, a godly love leaves the 99 for the 1. A godly love runs to those who return. A godly love washes the feet of the accuser. A godly love pays our debt even though the cost was really high. A godly love is always present no matter what. Godly love is extravagantly generous love. And I wonder Is this what describes your kind of love? Friends, in our relationships, let us be known for people who love, who do good to others, who bless and who pray for others. Hey, I hope that this message has been helpful for you, transformational for you, that we would be a people who really listen to Jesus, that we would be people who fight the right battle, and that we would be people who are known to have godly love for those around us. I pray all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.